Hi, this is Rick Thompson, the pastor at Living Water Community Church. This is our podcast, and I want to thank you for joining us today. I hope this message builds your faith and blesses you. Please enjoy it. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Living Water Community Church. Of course, I want to welcome those who are joining us online. I heard a story about an older gentleman who was on the operating table awaiting a complicated surgery. Someone say complicated. complicated. And so he was waiting for that on himself, and so he insisted that his son-in-law, a renowned surgeon, perform the operation. And as he was about to go under from the anesthesia, he, he called to his son-in-law. He said, son, yes, dad, what is it? Don't be nervous. Do your best and just remember, if something happens to me, your mother-in-law will come and live with you. <laughs> it's, been re- it's been reported that the surgery was one of the greatest successes in medical history. <laughs> Let me stop meddling. Listen, most of our issues have nothing to do with complicated or uncomplicated surgeries. It has everything to do with how we complicate our own lives. From how we choose to deal with conflicts and relationships as we talked about last week in our homes or at our church. Or our willingness, or that was two weeks ago, last week was our willingness to elevate our culture and traditions over the teachings of Christ, the world's views over the word of God's views. And when we do that, we tend to complicate our lives and things get a little bit messy and we end up going around the mulberry bush. That mulberry bush I'm talking about is the mulberry bush of of compromise and doing things our own ways. And when that happens, our life starts to resemble a mess. And so, and or gets filled with lies. Ephesians 4.14 says, then we will no longer be immature like children. We won't be tossed and blown about by every wind of new teaching. We will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever they sound like the truth. Instead, we will speak the truth, help me out somebody, in love growing in every way more and more like the pastor? No. Like the pope? No. Like Christ, who is the head of his body, the church. He makes the whole body fit together perfectly as each part does its own special work. Turn to someone and say, just do your part. It helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and, help me out, full of love. Full of love. And so we all have a part to play, a role to play. We've talked about that in the past. But in order for us to know our part, we need to jump into the simplicity of God's word. We need to know what God's word kind of says on issues of today. Now, is God's word relevant for what's going on around us today? Come on, someone say amen. Sure it is. 
Someone told me, Pastor Rick, you're not supposed to talk about politics. The church is not supposed to talk about politics. Well, politics came to the church. And the issues I talk about are the same stuff that I've been talking about for 30 years. You know why? Because it's in the Bible. And I can see what culture is doing, elevating things that are not scriptural or not God's word. And so we're in a series that we're calling KISS. Keep it not even just simple. Keep it super simple. Keep it super simple. And our theme verse, and I said it's a good one for us to memorize, is John 3.30. He must increase, but I must decrease. In fact, this will work in almost every area of our life if he increases in the way we treat our, uh, conduct ourselves with one another and, and the decisions makings that we make in the priorities, our calendar. If he increases and the, the three of us, the me, myself, and I, start to decrease, things will start to simplify and clarify and we'll start to get it uh, decluttered, if you will, in our lives. Increase the good, get rid of the bad which was Jesus' goal when he came to the, probably the most important subject of all. I figured, let me, just, let me just tackle that one now as we've laid the groundwork with, with conflict and culture. But I'm calling this message the law of love, the law of love. And the Apostle Paul mentions this law in the book of Galatians we've seen in the past. In Galatians chapter 6, verse 2, he says, Share each other's burdens and in this way obey the law of Christ the law of Christ. And he said it again in the book of Romans and explained why he, why he said it. Because a lot of times we'll read the Bible, we'll hear something like that, and we're like, well, what's the law of Christ? We don't even know what that is. But in Romans 13, 8, he says it again. He says, owe nothing to anyone except for your obligation to do what? To love one another. So as far as the scripture is concerned, we shouldn't be in debt to anyone. Pay your obligations. Taxes to Caesar, you owe someone something, pay those things. Pay those things off. You should have a clean slate with those, but there's one thing that we will never have a clean slate with. It's our obligation, the Bible says, to love one another. It goes on to say, if you, if you love your neighbor, you will fulfill the requirements of God's law for the commandment says, watch this, you must not commit adultery. What number is that? Seven, there we go. You must not murder, what's that? You must not steal, what's that? You must not covet, what's that? Somebody was paying attention during the last series. I'm saying. And then he says, these, these and other such commandments are summed up in this one commandment. Love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no wrong to others. So... Love fulfills the requirements of God's law. We're going to come back to that. But of course, who is the Apostle Paul quoting? He's quoting Jesus himself in John chapter 13, verse 34. He says, now, so now I am giving you a new commandment. We've heard all the old ones. He says, now I'm giving you a new one. And the new one is to love each other. And then he doesn't leave it to our own devices as to how he wants us to love each other. He says, I want you to love each other just as I have loved you. Uh-oh. You should love each other. The word love we throw around casualty, casually in our day. We 
We say we, we love our dog or our cat. We love chocolate cake. We love a particular movie or song. And then we use the same word for we love our wives or our husbands or our children. And so he didn't just leave it to I love chocolate cake definition. He says, I want you to love each other the way just as I have loved you. We call that one the 11th commandment. And of course, Jesus simplified it again when he was approached by the Pharisees and they asked him this in Matthew chapter 22, verse 36. It says, teacher, which is the most important commandment of the law of Moses? I know, I know we have all these commandments, but which one is the most important? And Jesus replied, didn't even hesitate. He says, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, and all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second one is equally as important. Love your neighbor as yourself. And then he says the entire law and all the demands of the prophets are based on these two commandments. Someone say simplify. So Jesus summed up the whole law and the prophets' teachings down to these commandments and basically, what does he tell us to do? He simplified it to the love. The, the commandment was to love God with all your heart, soul, and mind and love people whom he created. Am I, um, is that basically what he said? Love your neighbor as yourself. And so the law of love, of God's love, fulfills, when you think about it, the first four commandments. What was the first one? To love God with all your heart. What was the first, what's the first commandment? Thou shalt have no other gods above me. Right? So if you love God, you're not going to put anything above him. What's the second commandment? Thou shalt not make any graven images to bow down and worship. No idols. You're not going to create anything that's going to be more important than him. What's the third one? Thou shalt not take the Lord's name in. In vain, all right? And so if you really love God, you're not going to be using his name as a common curse word or misrepresenting what his name means because there's a lot of people that do things in his name that he says, no, I didn't say that. That's taking his name in vain. And what's the fourth commandment? Remember the Sabbath to keep it holy. In other words, don't uh, make a priority of the gathering together of the saints of God, Okay? And so he says, if you love God, it fulfills the first four commandments. And I won't even say the fifth one. And, and, and Paul says, if, and if, you love, if you love people as yourself, it, it fulfills the, the last four. Jesus said it. If you love God with all your heart, your soul, your mind, and you love your neighbor as yourself, these are the most important because the last uh, five or six have, have to do with your relationship with the people around you. Honor your father and your mother. Thou shalt not kill. Thou shalt not commit adultery. Thou shalt not steal. Thou shalt not covet. Thou shalt not bear false witness. All that is about your relationship. And so he simplifies it all. He says, you'll, take, you'll, get, you'll get it right. If you'll get the, uh, the, what's, what's this, the vertical right when you love God with all your heart, soul, and mind. And you'll get the horizontal right when you love your neighbor as yourself, the people that God created as yourself. Love God and love people. Super simple, right? Class dismissed, you may all go home. <laughs> you know I'm joking. We just got here. And so we know 
the what to do, but for the next few moments, we're going to talk about the why, the why to love. And I've come up with what I can see in the scripture, a couple five reasons that the Bible lays out as to why we want to conduct ourselves in this uh, paradigm of love. Number one, I want you to write this down. Love will get the world's attention. Love will get the world's attention. John 13, uh, 35 says, your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. And again, I, I've talked about this before because a lot of people, they're under the impression that it's when I buy the, the fancy Christian T-shirt or when I put the bumper sticker on my car. By the way, we have bumper stickers for your car about the church. You can get those. It, they think it's about the Bible, you know, their Bible knowledge and, and, or the number of verses they can quote. And, 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 and putting on a T-shirt and even quoting the Bible verse is easy compared to the law that Jesus says. It says it's, it's not just about that in terms of reaching the world. He says your love for one another is what's going to prove to the world. How many know that the, 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 the Pharisees of Jesus' day could quote the scriptures frontwards or backwards? And Jesus didn't have a whole lot of kind things to say about them. He says, you are of your father, the devil. Satan quotes the scripture when, he, when, when Jesus is in the wilderness. How many know the devil knows the Bible? Yes, he knows the Bible as well. And so simple Bible knowledge or quoting scriptures is not your evidence as far as God is concerned. So what gets the world's attention that scripture tells us is how we walk in love with each other. 1 Peter 4, 7 says, the end of the world is coming soon. Now, he said this 2,000 years ago, and he believed it with all his heart. How many know we're getting closer to that day? He says, the end of the world is coming soon. Therefore, be earnest and disciplined in your prayers. And most important of all, continue to show, help me somebody. What does it say? It's not up there. Is it? It says, continue to show what? Deep love. deep love for each other. Not just love, but deep love for each other. And he says, for love covers a multitude of sins. So it's not only, it, 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 so, so it's not only it does it get the world's attention, it also, the Bible says, covers and protects. I want you to write that down. Anybody have it all together all the time? I don't know anyone that does, right? And so we need the covering. We need God's grace. And the Bible says God, that, that love or this deep love covers a multitude of sins. The Apostle Paul says it this way in the love chapter. 1 Corinthians 13, 5 says, Love keeps no records of being wrong. Question. Are you a record keeper? Don't raise your hand. I heard about a counseling session of two couples who were going in, and, uh, and they started talking about this one becoming hysterical, and the other one said, they don't just become hysterical, they become historical. And they start reciting everything that I've ever done wrong in the last few years. Are you a record keeper as it relates to your marriage, among your friends, among your family, constantly bringing up people's shortcomings 
and failures. I call it the collecting of dirt and offenses on people. Now, oftentimes we will do that because we want to make ourselves look better than the person that we're comparing ourselves to. And then we take it a step further. You ever, you ever heard that old say, statement? So you, got, you found out this dirt on this person, so you, uh, they say telegram, telegraph, telephone, and t- uh, tell you. And then it tells the world what's going on, broadcasting whatever piece of dirt or gossip you've heard. And now today, when they find out stuff about somebody else or they've got a grievance with someone, rather than dealing with it under the law of love, even Christians, we've got this platform, talk about telling the world, called Facebook or Instagram or, 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 or Twitter or whatever, and they put all their grievances on that platform because, you know, they just, they're just informing people. All right? And so if you're like that, I'm telling you, you are not operating in the law of love. Do you know anyone that way? Are you like that? Quick to judge and condemn others for their perceived shortcomings, always ready to and willing to believe and broadcast the worst about people. Again, that's not love. And worse still, when you do that, is your house in order? Do you have things in your past, your present, that you're not particularly proud of, that if people did the same thing to you, you would lose your mind? But you're quick to condemn others. That always perplexed me as a person because I hear people railing about the sins of other people and because I've known them for such a long time, I'm like, Really? I know their stuff, you know? I know the things that they've gotten involved in in the past and the things that their wives or their husbands have to forgive them of, and yet they are walking around pointing fingers at other people, yet they're doing something similar. The Apostle Paul said it like this in the book of Romans. He says, you may think that you can condemn such people, but you are just as bad. And you have no excuse when you say they are wicked, they are wicked and should be punished, but you are condemning yourself. For you who judge others do these very same things, and we know that God and his justice will punish anyone who does such things. Since you judge others for doing these things, why do you think that you can avoid God's judgment when you do the same things? Don't you see how wonderfully kind and tolerant and patient God is with you? Does this mean nothing to you? Can't you see that his kindness is intended to turn you from your sins? So what's Paul addressing? He's addressing those people who are pointing the fingers at others, and at the same time, they got the same stuff going on in their lives. And he's like, don't you know that God sees everything? You think he's going to judge them and not you, and the fact that he hasn't judged you is proof of his wonderful kindness and tolerance toward you. The NLV says it this way in Romans 2. He says, God's kindness is intended to lead you to repentance. In other words, God has not given us what we deserve, thank you, Jesus. His patience and kindness is intended to lead us to repentance and back to him. And he expects us to do in kind to other people, not the hypocritical pointing 
of the fingers. If God has forgiven you of all your sins, who are you and I not to forgive others of their sins? Am I reading it right? Romans 2.16 says, and this is the message I proclaim that the day is coming when God, through Christ Jesus, will judge everyone's, help me out somebody, secret life. Oh, snap. <laughs> Do you have a secret life? You know, the you that are doing things when you think no one is watching. That not even your wife or your husband knows about. And if you have that secret, secret life, are you at the same time railing about other people's stuff? I saw this in real time as I was called to sit on a, 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 a restorative board of a minister who had fallen into grave sin with his wife and infidelity. And as I sat on that board with one, two, three, four, four or five other pastors to offer oversight and accountability to this minister to, to try to get him to a place of repentance and restoration. He was about to lose it all, his family and the whole nine yards. The one person who called for us to be on this board for this oversight, halfway through the process, disappeared. And while he was doing there, he had all this advice to give and these things to say. But he disappeared, and all of a sudden, we couldn't even, he wasn't returning any phone calls. And what did we find out? He, too, was having an affair with someone outside of his marriage. Do you have a secret life? And with that secret life, do you not understand that you could be fooling everybody, but you're not going to fool God? Now, if that's you, the best thing you should do is to, like the Bible says, receive the grace and the love of God and repent and turn to him because he's not trying to beat us up. He's trying to lift us up. Amen? Amen. But if you're not going to do that, and you're going to hang on to your secret life. The very next best thing you can do is rather than pointing the finger and accusing people, just shut up. Keep it to yourself. Amen? Amen. My Bible says love covers a multitude of sins. And, and the picture of covering can be seen in the Old Testament, in several things, where Hosea, the prophet Hosea, who God commanded 
to marry an unfaithful wife, and he kept telling her to keep taking her back, and, and it was a picture, and he told the prophet to do this with Gomer because it was a picture of his love toward Israel, who was constantly being unfaithful to God, and so it was like a prophetic picture that he was trying to let them know what was going on. That was a great picture, but the, but, 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 but the, the literal covering went off in my spirit was the story of the account of Noah and his sons in Genesis chapter 9, verse 18. It says, the sons of Noah who came out of the boat with their father were Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Ham is the father of Canaan, and from these three sons of Noah came all the people who now populate the earth. Side note, newsflash, we're all related. I'm just saying. <laughs> After the flood, Noah began to cultivate the ground, and he planted a vineyard. And one day he drank some wine and he had, that he had made, and he became drunk and lay naked inside his tent. And Ham, the father of Canaan, saw that his father was naked and went outside and told his brothers. And then Shem and Japheth took a robe held it over their shoulders and backed into the tent to cover their father. And as they did this, they looked the other way so they would not see him naked. Drop to verse 24. And when Noah woke up from his stupor, he learned what Ham, his youngest son, had done. And then he cursed Canaan, the son of Ham, May Canaan be cursed. And he went along with what the curses were going to be. May he be the lowest of servants to his relatives. And so as I look at this passage of Scripture, whatever Ham did in addition to seeing his father's nakedness caused Noah to once he sobered up, which was a sin, you know, he got so plastered, he fell down drunk, naked in his tent caused Noah to curse Ham and his descendants and many people say well I don't get it why would he get so upset that he would curse not just him but his entire line and many people kind of speculate because the scriptures say if you read that account that out of Canaan's line also came the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah. And those were parts of Ham's and Canaan's descendants. And so read it when you get a chance. And, and, and so they think maybe he did something to him while he was naked. But I don't, I don't go beyond the scriptures. I, I don't want to run that deep today. I just want to look at exactly what happened. It says Ham walked into the tent. Whatever happened in the tent, we don't know. But instead of covering his father, he came out and he started broadcasting what he saw to his brothers. And his brothers immediately, immediately said, we're going to take care of this. And they stood shoulder to shoulder. They grabbed a blanket. They stood shoulder to shoulder. And they turned their heads away as they backed into the tent to cover their father. And they walked out. 
Listen to me. I think that's just a beautiful picture of what the Bible says we should be doing with one another as opposed to what the, the other brother did. He went in there and he starts running his mouth of what he saw. Dad's drunk and he's naked. And the other brothers handle it. You know what? Love covers a multitude of sin. Anybody in here without any sin? Are you someone who covers? Or are you someone who broadcasts? Let me give you the third reason why we should walk in love. Love reveals the God's character in us, or the character of God in us. First John 4, 7 says, Dear friends, let us continue to love one another, for love comes from God, and anyone who loves is a child of God and knows God, but anyone who does not love does not know God, for God is love. Verse 20 says, if someone says, I love God, but hates a fellow believer, that person is a liar. For if we don't love people we can see, how can we love God who we cannot see? Anyone ever seen God? Uh, I haven't. I've seen the effects of God. I've seen, you know, what he's done. But no one has seen God. And, and and John is saying, how can you say you love God whom you can't see? You don't even love your brother who you can. And he says, and since God is love, the evidence of the presence of God in our lives is not hate. It's not backbiting. It's not gossip. It's not division. It's the love like Jesus loved. There we go. And if you want to know what love looks like, again, we have to study the life of Jesus. The scripture says he was literally called a friend of sinners. Why do you suppose they call him a friend of sinners? It's not that complicated. Because he was friends to sinners. He was friends to people with problems like you and I. Now, here's a question. If all your friends are just saints and sanctified folks like you, who are you going to reach? Jesus was a friend to the lost, the lonely, the broken, the downcast, the sick, even people who were delivered from demons. All of them followed him. Why? Because he was judgmental? Because he was going to broadcast their stuff? No, because he loved them. The same reason you follow him. The same reason I follow him. Because he loves me. And he's not trying to put me on the evening news for my failures or my shortcomings. The only people who had problems with Jesus was the Satan and his demons and the religious and self-righteous people.
people of his day. Why love? Because love will reveal the loving character of God in us. Number four, love casts out all fear. 1 John 4, 16. We know how much God loves us, and we have put our trust in his love. God is love, and all who live in love live in God, and God lives in them. And as we live in God, our love grows more perfect. So we will not be afraid on the day of judgment. But we can face him with confidence because we live like Jesus here in this world. Such love has no fear. Someone say no fear. Because perfect love expels, help me out somebody, all fear. If you are afraid, it is for fear of punishment. And this shows that we have not fully experienced his perfect love. We love each other because he loved us first. The King James says it this way, there's no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear because fear involves torment. But he who fears has not been made perfect in love. Anybody been tormented by their fears or anxieties? The fear of death or tormented by the failures of your past or what if they find out or the anxieties of tomorrow? How am I going to pay this? How am I going to do that? I know people who are just, they're, they're just full of anxieties all the time. And in order to overcome those fears and anxieties in your life, we need a revelation of God's love. Because my Bible says, and your Bible says, perfect love will cast out, it says, all fear. Now listen to me. And you are perfectly loved by the Father. Come on, somebody. So I need not walk in that fear. Anyone remember the, the Karate Kid? Remember that show, Karate Kid? You know, that dude, that dude. And his opponent had a, a dojo. I guess that's the way they work. And one of the things that I always remembered them saying, it just stick, stuck with me over the years, when the, the teacher is teaching the students and they say, um, pain it, uh, does not belong in this dojo. And they say, yes, sensei. Sensei means teacher. And then they say, fear is, does not belong in this dojo. And then they would say, yes, sensei. And, and it was so cool. Well, the truth of the matter is, as far as God's concerned, they, they say in the Bible, over 365 times, about 365 times, you'll hear the words, fear not, being spoken to God's people. That's one for every single day of the, of the year. Come on, somebody. You know why? Because fear does not belong in this house. Amen? Amen? Come on, somebody. You don't have to walk in fear or anxiety. You do not have to because perfect love casts out all fear. And we need a revelation of God's love. Now, the Apostle Paul made that his prayer in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 14, to the Ephesian church. He says, for this reason, he says, I kneel before the Father from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives his name. 
He says, I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you being rooted and established in what? In love may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ and to know his love that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Come on, somebody. We are uh, uh, perfect love casts out all fear. And we are perfectly loved by the Father. Let me give you the last. Love gives us victory in Jesus. Now listen to this real close. Romans chapter 8 verse 31. It says, what shall we say about such wonderful things as these? If God is for us, who can ever be against us? Since he did not spare even his own son, but gave him up for all us all, Won't he also give us, help me out somebody, what will he give us? Everything else. Who dare accuse us whom God has chosen for his own? The scripture says no one. And so accusations are going to come, especially in the last days, because my Bible says in the last days, they're going to be confused. They're going to call good evil and evil good. And so accusations are coming your way concerning just, just you know, fill in the blank. The Christian says, you know, it's, it, it's not a, a dog in the womb, it's life in the womb. Okay? The Christian talks about, you know, that our, our rights do not come from the government, our rights come from God. Come on, somebody. And so, but every, today, everyone is flipping it on its head. And if you say, you know, you're pro-life, you're evil. And if you say that, you know, our, our rights don't come from the government, it comes from God, you're evil. And my Bible says this. It says, listen, it says, it says, who dares accuse us whom God has chosen for his own? Listen, the scripture says no one. For God himself has given us right standing with himself. God gave us right standing. Who then will condemn us? No one. For Christ Jesus died for us and was raised to life for us. And he's sitting in the place of honor at God's right hand. And what do you think he's doing? What does it say he's doing? Is he sitting on his hands? No, he's pleading, he's praying, he's interceding for you and me. That's what he's doing. He's praying that whatever situation you're going through, you're going to go through it. You're going to go through it, over it, around it, but with Jesus' help, you're going to get there, amen? Because he loves us. He says, can anything ever separate us from Christ's love? Does it mean he no longer loves us if we have trouble or calamity or are persecuted or hungry or destitute or in danger or threatened with death? As the scriptures say, for your sake we are killed every day. We are being slaughtered like sheep. No, despite all these things, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who loves us. And then he goes on to say, I am convinced that nothing 
Nothing can ever separate us from God's love. Neither death, nor life, neither angels, nor demons, neither our fears for today or our worries about tomorrow, not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or in the earth below, indeed nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed. Where? In Christ Jesus our Lord. Come on, somebody. Why do we love? Because he first loved us. And he gave himself for us. Keep it super simple, my friends. Love God. Love the people he created. And if you're looking for a place of security against the uncertainties and the complexities of this world, it's only going to be found in one place. It's not going to be found in the government. It's not going to be found in the educational system. It's not going to be found on television or the latest self-help book. It's going to be found and revealed in one place, and his name is Jesus Christ, our Lord. Because once in him, once I've surrendered my life to him, the scripture says nothing will separate us from his love. <laughs> Come on. What are you going through today? You're not going through it alone. He loves you. And the Bible plainly says, since he did not spare even his own son, but gave him up for us all, won't he also give us everything? In other words, listen. For God so loved you that he gave his one and only son. If he gave his son for you, what else would he, would, is he going to withhold from you? Is he going to say, you know what? I gave my son who suffered on the cross. I'm not going to deal with their, you know, help them deal with their bills or their medical situation or the fact that, you know, you're having issues along these lines. I gave you everything out of my love for you. There's, there's nothing I'm withholding from you based on that. Does that make sense? And so what does it mean? It means I need not fear, again, because perfect love casts out all fear. And you and I are perfectly loved by the Father. <laughs> to God be the glory. Amen? But again, we need a revelation of it. Because the enemy is always right there, whispering in your ear, what if, what if? Or he's pointing fingers. Or worse, he uses us. Scripture says, Satan is the accuser of the brethren. And these days, he don't even have to manifest to point the finger because he just starts whispering in the ear of somebody else. And then they start pointing the finger at you or what you're doing or what you're not doing along those lines. I'm like, in some cases, you don't even need the devil because we're doing it for him. Jesus said, by this they shall know we are his disciples. It's not your fancy Christian shirts, and I have a couple of them. It's not the bumper stickers on your car. I have that too. It's not how many scriptures you can quote. I know a few scriptures after 30 years of doing this. It's how 
I treat my brothers and my sisters in him. It's my love for one another. Now, let me tell you something. Because this world is, the devil tries to divide us along all sorts of things, especially race. I was talking to someone this week, and this one's a racist, and that's a racist. I'm like, you use that term so much, it's become meaningless. If you have a problem with people who don't look like you, because the scripture says all of us came first from Adam, and then God flooded the earth, and then came from Noah's children, and then repopulated the earth. There's a DNA strand in all of us that connects us as human beings. We are related. We may look a little different, have a little bit of a different accent, come from a different place in the world, but we are all related. And if you have a problem with people who look different than you, you are not going to like heaven. <laughs> I'm just saying, because he says there's going to be people from every tribe and every nation. They're all going to be there under the banner. And even politics. If I told you, I'm not going to do it, but how many of you are Democrats in here? Half of you would raise your hand. How many of you are Republicans? The other half would raise your hand. How many of you consider yourself independent? The other half would raise their hand. Or oh, the third, maybe 10%. Maybe 10%. Raise their hand. I got too many halves in there, don't I? But if I asked you how many of you love Jesus, come on, somebody. So we're all under the banner of Christ. Amen? Don't let this world divide you. They shall know we are Christians by our love for one another. And God's called us all to be in Christ. That's the number one thing. Have you asked God to forgive you by accepting and acknowledging that you need a Savior and that Jesus is the one who died for you? If you were to die today, God forbid. Out with a friend Friday night, and they said someone, someone from their work, 35 years old, just passed away. 35 years old. I don't even know why. We presume on the future because we think we've got all this time. The Bible says today if you hear his voice, don't harden your heart. If you were to pass today, do you know where you're going? Will you spend eternity with God? Or eternally separated from him? Is it just a hope? Well, I hope so, Pastor Rick. The Bible says you, shall, you can know whether, whether you're going to be with God or not. Because the scripture says, he who has the son has the life. He who does not have the son does not have the life. Is Jesus part of your life? Have you bowed to him as your Lord and your Savior? Have you acknowledged that you're a sinner and you need him? Because the truth of the matter is, the fulfillment of the law is, to, Jesus says, to love God and to love your neighbor as yourself. And the truth of the matter is, we don't love God the way we should. 
we don't love our neighbors the way we should. We all need a Savior. Amen? So if you've not yet accepted Christ as your Savior and your Lord, it would be my privilege and my honor just to lead you in a prayer of commitment to Him. May I say everyone to bow their heads and close their eyes. And to say something like this from your heart. And while every eyes bowed and every eyes closed, I'm going to ask the prayer team to make their way up here as well because I know that there are some who are struggling with anxieties and fears. And the Bible says, I don't want you walking that way. You need a revelation of God's love because perfect love casts out all fear. And so the end of this prayer commitment, I'm going to invite you to come forward if you make that prayer and I'll open up this altar for you. Say something like this from your heart. Say, Heavenly Father, I come before you today and I acknowledge that I am a sinner and that I need a Savior. And I thank you for demonstrating your love for me in that you sent your son to die on the cross for me. Forgive me for going my own way and holding on to things that are not of you. Come into my life. Come into my heart. From this day forward, I surrender all to you. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. Thank you so very much for listening to this message. We hope you were truly blessed. If you were, please subscribe to our podcast if you haven't already and share it with a friend. Doing so will cause the seeds of God's word and the message of his love to spread like wildfire. So thanks again for partnering with us in this important way. Stay thirsty for Christ, my friends, until the whole world hears. God bless.